Well, let's kick this thing off. Coffee with the Coaches, episode 15, coming to you from the Mega Desk. Once again, there's, there's still a bucket full of beer left over from yeah. Saturday when we were in here after the beer fest. Yeah. That one got kind of weird. <laughs> I, uh, I need to clean up the mess from that. I don't even remember that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think you and Jason both are a little tipsy on I'm that one. I'm just kidding. I remember it all. <laughs> Well, uh, microphone one, it's me. I'm Michael. Microphone two, Paige, as always. Buenos dias. That's just the two of us today. <clears throat> We're, uh, I guess we got to start this thing with a dad joke. Did you look one up? Oh, shit. <laughs> no, but I can't find one? one super fast. Oh, man. See, Reddit I, comes in clutch. <laughs> I almost texted you last night to remind you and then I didn't do it because I, I've done that for the last two or three weeks in a row and I thought for sure you eh, had it she'll remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah right I thought for sure you would have it oh this one looks good all right go ahead then since yours is, <laughs> since yours is fresh let's hear it oh this is good scientists had just discovered a fossilized dinosaur fart <laughs> okay <laughs> They say it's a blast from the past. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. See, this whole... It took me five seconds. This whole series has taken a turn that I didn't expect because to me, a dad joke is a really stupid, terrible, like grown facepalm joke. Uh, but y'all keep coming up with funny ones. And yours keep sucking. Mine just keep on being terrible. All right, so this one is in normal Mackle fashion. Did you know that most people prefer three covers on their bed? No. It's just a blanket statement. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> See? I, I'm going to continue with it. Y'all can come up with the funniest jokes you want. I'm going to keep with the stupid ones. I prefer three <laughs> pillows. What do you call that? <clears throat> well, so I know we had a really good conversation on Saturday and we talked about a lot of different things under the influence of beer and wine and spirits and all that. Yeah. And there was one thing that I thought really uh, would make for a good conversation today. I, I know that you guys mentioned a, I guess it was the Matt Fraser podcast or the Joe Rogan podcast where Matt Fraser came on and apparently had said some things that pissed off at least a few people on the internet. Yeah. And so one of them was, I guess he was at least talking about coaching certifications and things like that. And, you know, I guess we could go down the rabbit hole of what he really said versus what people think he said. But I think the, the good part of the conversation would just be, what do we think is a good coach? And I know that I've got a lot of kind of scattered ideas floating around in my head about this topic. So mm -hmm. I thought it'd be great to sit down and discuss this with you and try to sort it out for myself. Um, so I'm not really sure where to start with it, but mm -hmm. I guess to, to get the whole conversation started, what was the, the, in a nutshell, what was the comments that Matt Fraser had made just to kind of give us a jumping off point? Yeah. Um, all, all Matt had said was that, you know, just to get your level one, it's just, it's a weekend course. And he just kind of left it at that. Mm -hmm. And that's, in a nutshell, that's what it is. Yeah. And so I think that's a good place to start the conversation. Um, 
around what makes a good coach is we could beg the question, what kind of certification does a good coach need? And that's not a black and white answer by any means mm-hmm. whatsoever. And so I think personally what makes a good coach um, as far as like certifications or education and knowledge is just to never stop seeking new truthful information. And the truthful part is the the important part there because really you have to know how to do the research in order to find the reliable information and understand whether something applies to the population that you're coaching or Mm -hmm. not. That's a really good point. Yeah, it varies across the board. You know, if you're working with competitor athletes, whatever you're going to have your competitors do is the complete opposite of what you're going to have your people that are just coming to the gym to be healthy to do. And so I think right there, the level one is amazing. It's a great, it's just, it was fantastic. Like it's fun. It's good to do, but you certainly can't become a great coach just by going to get your level one. Yeah. And they state that very plainly at the level one. Oh yeah. That's a big this part is, of the, the, the weekend seminar. Exactly. Is, this <laughs> is not a seminar or a training program to make you a coach. This mm-hmm. is just, it's literally Stepping like it's titled, down. it's level one. Yes. It's your first step. It's, exactly. And I would even go so far as to say it's a great it's a great first step for people who are interested in CrossFit as a methodology. Mm-hmm. It's a great first step for mm-hmm. people who are interested in CrossFit as a methodology. Right. Um, or if you're not and you're just wondering why CrossFit is the way it is, why we do what we do, it's it's helpful to go and get that information. I remember specifically at my level one, there was a guy there who just trained in a Globo gym and he said he was specifically there just to, cause he, he has a, fr- a lot of friends that do CrossFit and mm-hmm. he had the time and the money and he's like, I just want to see like what this is about. And he went away from it, like really appreciative of the experience. So that was yeah. cool. Yeah, it does. The level one to me, I thought was a, uh, I don't know, I guess I already said it a couple of times, but uh, it does just talk about the, uh, the reasoning behind the CrossFit methodology uh, kind of goes over the real basics of their movements, mm-hmm. ideas, mm-hmm. and what they consider what CrossFit considers to be important, mm-hmm. and um, that type of thing. But yeah, it's just barely scratching the surface when it comes to coaching, and they're very very specific about that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, hundred percent. And level one doesn't mean just like level one into the CrossFit. Um, trajectory I guess it doesn't mean you have to go level one level two level three level four certifications Mm -hmm. in CrossFit they just mean you know this is your level one within CrossFit specifically this might be level one to getting an an SCA certification or to go getting an ACSM or something else or it might just be your level one to reading and digging into more information because honestly there are hundreds thousands millions of coaches out there probably who may not actually have a certification. They've just been in the game so long. They're much better. They're far better coaches than a lot of people that are like NASM or NSCA or ACSM certified. And so that experience is the next thing I would talk about that plays a huge role in how to become a good coach. Yeah. And I would take this conversation back to the idea of college and basically going to college for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, when you complete college, you have completed the education process, but now you've got to get started with whatever that field is. You've got to now get started in whatever that field Mm -hmm. is. So just because you graduated with a degree, 
really doesn't mean anything in the in the terms of your career. It just means you are now educated to get started in your field. And I think that's a really important important point that too many people miss in yeah. a lot of ways because, yeah. you know, and I think that is an expectation that even you and I growing up probably we had to kind of wrestle with because mm -hmm. we were told if we just get the college degree, right. then we get the good job. And that idea, that expectation has been really damaging to the 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 uh, society, I guess, because it's got people expecting that they're just going to come straight out of college and be able to make six figures. And mm -hmm. obviously that's not the case. And a lot more people are aware of that now. But, right. you know, back in the... 80s and 90s and early 2000s that was much less of a talked about thing yeah. so, and you know it seems like I got off track a little bit there but I don't think I did at all because that expectation should be the same over here in this conversation right level one is like you know getting your high school degree. high school diploma yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting your high school <clears throat> diploma just... into the next the next step mm -hmm. and so um that that experience is a huge a huge factor in the the way someone's going to interact with you and the way a coach is going to treat you um how they're going to know how to talk to you people like to be spoken to in different ways and so you quickly find out when you're coaching that you know if i'm very blunt and straightforward with one person they're not going to like it but mm -hmm. if i'm kind of blunt straight to the point bottom line is you need to do strict presses today because <laughs> your shoulder's been bugging you they're like okay cool if you tell somebody else that who really really wants to do the push jerks and the workout and they don't need to they're just going to be like well what if i just go lighter what if i just blah 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 it's like <laughs> well you know it's not going to get you where you want to be if yeah. you just leave it at that that person's going to be kind of upset about it you know you have to learn how to gauge and read people too and that's another rabbit hole separately but <clears throat> i'll tell you right when i graduated college i mean i could explain to somebody you know, the Krebs cycle or exactly how their body can kind of synthesize protein to help build muscle, get down to the nitty gritty, explain mm -hmm. it down to a science. And But they probably didn't know what the hell the Krebs cycle was exactly. anyway. Like, so you were speaking French to them. And <laughs> that's going to wind up being, you know, the, the chalkboard with all the numbers floating around in their head and they're not going to take anything away from yeah. that. So you have to learn how to relay it in, in lay terms to people that don't give a shit about that, who just want to know, like, hey, you know, how much protein should I eat throughout the day? And give them a good starting point. It doesn't have to be black and white. Not everybody's a straightforward answer. <clears throat> I know a lot of times, probably right when I got out of college, I was like, well, you know, you need one gram per pound of lean body weight. <laughs> and yeah, that's a good recommendation. But if you're close to it, you're doing good enough. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot over the weekend, and I tried to actually type some things out to organize my thoughts, and I definitely didn't get my thoughts organized, <laughs> but I did write down four things that I thought were super important to this conversation. One was, I guess, to, to reiterate what I think makes a good coach. So the four that I actually got written down were empathy, emotional awareness and intelligence, communication skills, and willingness to continue learning. Mm -hmm. That's what I came up with. Like when I really boiled everything down, I couldn't come up with any particular training pro program or mm -hmm. combination of letters behind somebody's name. I couldn't find a good reason to put the, those on my list because 
willingness to continue learning kind of uh, kind of incorporated all of that right. because you know <clears throat> really it doesn't matter where you start you're going to have to unlearn some things as you go mm-hmm. and so i think that willingness to continue learning kind of encompasses that whole idea is you know you just have to be open minded with some things and recognize that you know, as you get further in a field, as you get further down one particular rabbit hole, it's going to change the way you you understand things or the way you talk about things and stuff like that. And I think what really, really is the important part is just the willingness to continue learning and careful, being careful not to get too dogmatic about anything that you currently believe because right. it's going to change. It really is. Right. <clears throat> and then I guess just backing up a little bit, I think it doesn't matter what you know or what you learn if you can't get on the same level with the person that you're working with. Um, Like you already mentioned right out of the gate, one person's communication style is going to be a lot different than the next person's. So you've got to find a way to adjust to get on their level because it's our, it's our job as coaches to find a way to make the connection with the person. It's not the person's job to find a way to communicate with us. And to me, I think that's one of the most challenging parts of being a coach is navigating those different communication styles you know we've heard people talk about love languages and that i think that really dictates uh, people's different communication styles and how they receive feedback or criticism Mm -hmm. or even praise for that matter Um, so that one's that one's huge and that's probably been the biggest thing i've learned over the course of my coaching career is that it's way less about the specific things that I know and the number of grams of protein that I should recommend to somebody, but more about uh, actually getting on their level and trying to figure out what their expectations really are and then try to work with it from there. Yeah. Help them absorb the information and not just hear it. Not just hammer it at them. Yeah. (laughs) Not them just hearing it and not really sticking with them. Like you have to, you have to know how to tell somebody something and let it really sink in and they really understand it and have the have the emotional connection to it to help drive change and those four things are like oh man those are perfect that just covers everything like one thing that I would add to that and it kind of it kind of loops in with some others is a, a good coach has to be willing to say I don't know but I'll find Ooh, out yeah that's a good one like you have to be able to tell a person to their face, I don't know, but I will talk to somebody that's smarter than I am or that knows more about this than I do. And I will find out because if somebody's just bullshitting you through (laughs) everything, you know, well, you know, how should, how should I deadlift if I, this, this, and this, like, oh, you know, well, you should always, this is how you deadlift. This is just what you do. And maybe not, maybe it's different for that particular person. So if you hear somebody ask a question and you're like, uh, you know, I, I feel like I know the answer, but I'm not really sure. Don't just tell them what you think it is. Be sure when you're going to give somebody some advice or an answer to a question. Well, one thing that would always make me more comfortable with uh, the efficiency of a coach or the knowledge of a coach, something that would make me feel good about a person's coaching skills is hearing them say things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, um, but I will find, we can find out, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. But it always, it's a it's a quick turnoff to me when I hear people that are, for lack of a better uh, metaphor, people that are standing on the street corner just preaching and shouting and yelling <clears throat> about mm-hmm. their way is the only way. Those are usually the people that I know 
are probably full of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's always those loud, dogmatic voices in the industry that really frustrate me because... Yeah, and they drown out all the others, yeah. unfortunately. And, you know, that actually t- takes me to the other thing that I actually did write down in my attempt to <laughs> to organize these thoughts is that there's... I feel like there's... The dominant voice in the fitness industry is really just shouting about a couple of things. And it tends to frustrate me. Uh, and, you know, I'll get to points where it just seems like those dominant voices are overwhelming everything. And it's just like in my ideas don't align with that. So it makes me feel like sometimes like I just don't belong in this industry and that I need to get out of it and find something else to do because clearly, you know, the the general you know the just the loud voices mm-hmm. are are screaming about something else but then when i really step back and think about it i think that makes it even more important for me to stick around because there's tons of people that also don't you know that's that's not their goal you know the dominant voices in the industry are talking about something that's not their goal it's not something that speaks to them and so that kind of renews my my vigor and makes me realize that you know it I think it's super important for me to speak up about all the other reasons why fitness is important and strength training is important. You know, it's not just about losing weight and supplements. You know, those seem to be the dominant voices in the industry. And of course, there are people who uh, who that is speaking to. And, you know, so I'm, those bases are covered. I'm glad that <laughs> glad that those voices are out there. Yeah. But there's tons of people. There's millions of people who are looking for a healthier life, um, a more, a better approach to fitness, and they don't care about losing weight, and they don't care about supplements. And so mm-hmm. that's where I think it's super important for me to speak up about all the other reasons to do yeah. this. Yeah, very good point. <clears throat> there are a lot of people out there like that. I would say, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this, and you're that person, please hit us up, let us know, because I know those people are out there, but man, it just, it really seems that like a good, a good 90% of the people that get started on some sort of fitness journey are only focused on weight loss, you know, getting bigger, or it's not necessarily just, I want to just be healthy Mm -hmm. and people need to understand that that's okay. Like that can be the reason that you join a gym. If you're happy with your body, but you're just like, you know, I just... I just could feel a little bit better. So I just, I think I'll start going to the gym. Like that's a perfectly valid reason. You don't have to have a need to lose weight or to gain weight or to, oh, I don't want to get too bulky or <laughs> yada, yada. Like have some physical activity in well, your think life. about how many people, and maybe this conversation comes up with me a lot more, but I, I ha- seems like I hear a lot of people talk about just wanting to feel better, wanting to move better, mm-hmm. wanting to keep up with their kids or recognizing that they are getting older and they don't want to lose their uh, their mobility. They don't want to lose their their ability to move around and mm-hmm. do the things that they want to do. And those, <coughs> those things don't get talked about in right. the fitness industry. Um, it's only, it's just pictures of, it's before and after pictures on Instagram of somebody who's lost a bunch of weight and mm-hmm. it's buy my supplement. And like I said, I, I really, I don't intend to throw shade with this because that's certainly a focus for a lot of people. But yeah. I think it's really important for me to be vocal about all the other reasons why people want to get into this and why people need to get into this. Right, right. 
So that kind of took us down a different route. Maybe we should break down some of those four points you said, like maybe some examples of how to be empathetic as a coach. I think it would be ways that ways that members or if you're a client and you're working with a trainer, like you can identify these things. If your coach does X, Y, Z, whenever you have conversations with them. So I'll start. One thing that just kind of comes to mind is, uh, you know, if you come in and you're like, man, I just really didn't sleep that great last night. I don't really feel that great today. And your coach is just like, ah, come on. You'll feel a lot better <laughs> once you push yourself. Let's go, look, go, go. You know, they're just kind of <clears throat> not empathizing with the way that you are feeling and the messages that you're relaying about the readiness of your body. That's a good sign that your coach may not understand just yet the importance of listening to your body yeah and that's that seems to be the the response that would come from a coach that's more caught up in the competitive atmosphere and then mm. um compete every day type of vibe and yeah. um, <clears throat> progression over everything mm-hmm. so it is definitely I'm not sure if I've talked about this on the podcast before but I've been thinking a lot over the last couple of years about the idea of immature ideas versus mature ideas and you know that's that's a big concept that I've really been thinking about but I think that's what it is it's it's an immature idea of coaching and that doesn't mean it's bad because it's just it's just early in the process but anytime we get some new idea that we get uh, thinking about and moving towards it is an immature idea mm-hmm. and it's like we've talked about before new crossfitters mm-hmm. you know when people first get into crossfit they're really excited about it they're talking about it all the time and then as that idea gets more mature they chill out mm-hmm. they're not uh proselyte uh what's the word proselytizing <laughs> or they're just yeah <laughs> preaching about it all the time and telling everybody how great it is but you know once yeah. it becomes a more mature idea they relax they talk about it in a much more reasonable way mm-hmm. but yeah that i think that's what that is is just an immature idea of coaching. Right, right. And that can kind of go with like the dogmatic ideas. That's usually that's usually how people get super involved in a dogmatic approach is because it's something new and shiny and it sounds super cool and you know, they may they may have applied it to one or two clients so far and it worked awesome, but it doesn't apply across the board. So you know, if, if you've got a coach that's really spl- speaking in black and white terms on just about everything that comes out of their mouth, then it's a pretty good sign that either they are still an immature coach or <clears throat> they just aren't willing to learn and grow. Well, then that makes me think, this is a little bit of a derail, but that makes me think of the idea of being too results-oriented as a coach mm-hmm. and as a, as a person just in general, but... If you're too results oriented, it makes me think of Abby as a hairstylist, right? So I wonder how many times people come to Abby with a picture of Megan Fox and say, I want this haircut, (laughs) right? And then whoever that person is doesn't look anything like Megan Fox. Their face structure or head structure is totally different. And so if Abby were to give this girl that haircut, it would look horrible on her. And that, that girl would feel awful. And so... I imagine that Abby probably has a lot, has to have a lot of conversations like that. Like this haircut isn't going to look good on you. This isn't the right, this isn't the right result for you. Right. Right. I feel like I have a lot of those conversations as a, as a coach, as a trainer, people come to me with a particular result that they want. And 
it's an immature idea for sure. Mm -hmm. And they, they don't realize that this expectation that they have isn't a good expectation for them for a lot of different reasons. But that comparison, I think, makes a good visual. That's a really very good one. (laughs) And I'm not sure where that would fit in as far as empathy or emotional awareness or communication skills, but that's what that makes me think of Mm -hmm. is that's, that's part of the mature idea is I think a lot of us in the, the coaching industry need to step away from the idea of being too results oriented and just promising somebody that we're going to get them those results Mm -hmm. when they came in with kind of a ridiculous expectation. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that's, that's a tough conversation to have, but it, man, it's so important. It's such an important conversation. It is very important. And it's, it's an art to try to be able to relay that to a person and then be willing to accept it in the way that you say it to them. Because, I mean, if you get somebody that comes in and they sleep five hours a night, they work 10 hours a day, they have five kids or, you know, it's kind of exaggerated. But and then they want to, you know, they come in and they're like, hey, I really like this CrossFit thing. I think I can do really well on it. Um, I kind of want to try to go to the games eventually. (laughs) You're like, yeah, you know, you have to know how to give that conversation empathetically so that this person can kind of put their expectations in a, uh, in a realistic place. Yeah. And that's a fine art. And I think that that right there, uh, requires a lot of reading, listening and engagement with clients and testing out different ways to talk to different people. But I think most importantly, that one is, it's a, I think the best way that I have grown in that area is, first of all, having those conversations with members daily, but also listening to podcasts about mindset or about growth or reading books about mindset and growth and having having tough conversations. Like those things are extremely valuable. And I know five year ago, me would have been like, oh, that's boring. Like, I don't want to read about that. But now yeah. I'm like, oh, man, this stuff is so helpful because it applies to everyday life, whether it's to your clients or just to your parents or friends, whatever. Like, it's so, so beneficial to have that not that uh, ability to converse in a way that people are going to be willing to listen to you. Yeah. And there's something there as far as I don't know. That's an expectation that is kind of just in the culture is that that idea of results oriented over everything. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to find some kind of a way to shift that focus to more of finding a way to enjoy the process because that's really, I don't know. I've I've talked a lot about how you've got to, the only thing that matters is consistency. Mm -hmm. So if you can find some kind of a way to enjoy the process, that's what's going to keep you consistent. Because if you're just frustrated all the time with all the time with whatever it is you're doing, you're going to burn out on it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've gotten so far away from the idea of goal setting and being too results oriented, because I see so many people that I don't know. They just get burned out chasing a goal Mm -hmm. or chasing results. But if I can find some kind of a way to shift the focus to enjoying the process, I seem to have a lot more, a lot more success with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that in large part falls on us as coaches, I think is uh, we can get lost on this part really easily just because Mm -hmm. it's a, 
it's all we do all the time, but we have to be able to make make class time and conversations fun for people. Like the workout needs to be fun, not all the time, but the majority of the time. Our conversations need to be interesting. Our interactions with clients, the people that <clears throat> the people who are in a class together, like we've kind of got to know who to introduce to who right out of the gate so that they're seeing a warm and friendly face. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get somebody that comes in that seems a little more closed off um you don't want to pair them with somebody that's like hi how you doing (laughs) you have to strategically know who to place this person with based on their body language and the way that they talk to you and we have to know how to partner people up sometimes or how to um you know break the ice in the class michael's got his dad jokes all the time or (laughs) i'm usually just very sarcastic and snarky with somebody and a lot of times that'll break them loose but you know you you just gotta know your crowd that's where that's where that that uh, information absorption comes in in the form of reading listening and even writing um that really really is going to help you grow in that conversation aspect (laughs) So what you just said made me think of another one that I wanted to put on my list. I think in order to be a good coach, you've got to be okay with failure. Oh, yeah. And I know that one sounds wild, but, mm-hmm. man, you're not going to get any better. You're not going to improve. Oh, I guess this could go across the board, but, man, as a coach, you've got to be okay with screwing things up. Mm-hmm. you got to be okay with uh, – the fact that sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing, that sometimes you're going to, it's not going to work out every time. And I guess it was just that conversation you just had that made me think about all the times that in the past that I did something wrong and man, it was really crushing. Like it really, like (laughs) I took it home and it kept me up at night. And Mm -hmm. if I had, if I had just folded or, you know, decided that I couldn't keep on because I had screwed this or that up, then I wouldn't have, <laughs> I wouldn't have made wouldn't it this far. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be coming up on the seven year anniversary of the, of the gym. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I guess that would be resilience, emotional mm-hmm. resilience. Yeah. I would add that one to my list. Yeah. Yeah. Learning from your failures is huge. You gotta be okay for anybody. with anybody. <clears throat> you gotta be okay with failing and understand that it's going to happen every now and then. You can't be too much of a perfectionist. Of course, you know, I try my best to do everything right and make sure I don't screw anything up. But on the same side of the coin, I, I have to understand that I'm going to make mistakes along the way. And I've got to, I've got to give myself grace on that. I've mm-hmm. got to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Because once again, the only thing that matters is consistency. Yep. <laughs> I got to exactly. stay, I got to stay here. It all, all these things just intertwine with each other. It's, I mean, you know, we're, however long into this conversation it's very obvious that all of these things play into one another very much so <clears throat> well i guess i took it too far probably in the uh, kind of the emotional feelings um i don't know that that side of things so i guess to bring it back over to maybe education or mm-hmm. i don't know something more on the other side of the topic what would you say would be an important well i think we talked quite a bit on like the education component of it cuz it does play into the emotional part of it you have to you have to grow you have to expand your education in the mental side of thing just as much side of things just as much as you do in the physical side of things like learning new techniques or new applications um you know, going through courses, like I'm going through a course right now just to, to grow and learn as a coach, to help apply things to 
various different populations. And then <clears throat> on top of the education side of it, I think another another big thing is going to be your presence and attitude. And that's a huge, yeah. that's especially a huge thing as a CrossFit coach because you have you have up to 20 eyes on you at one time. So you have to be able to control the room <clears throat> efficiently whenever you have all these different personalities in one place. And so knowing how to, knowing how to direct a group of 16-ish people who half of them are very straightforward, blunt to the point, okay, coach, I've done this workout a million times. <laughs> I'm ready to go warm up while you got another half of the group that's like, well, uh, do we need to do this? What kind of weight? Blah, blah, blah. And they're asking a lot of questions. And, like, that's okay on both sides because that's just who those people are. That's how they are. And that's 100% fine. But as a coach, you have to learn to navigate both those waters. And so aside from being able to communicate effectively with those people, you also have to be able to direct them specifically on the spot in a group and so you know we might get a workout where we have a lot of people in class who they know what to do they've done it a million times (sighs) i don't need to listen to this (laughs) spiel again okay you 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 i know you've done this 20 times go get warmed up you guys right here bring it in uh do you have any further questions on this if not go with them get warmed up okay you've got questions blah 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 well let's work that out and so that's a great way to just kind of apply it in a group setting yeah, I actually wrote that one down. Presence and attitude. I, I added that to my list because I think that's that's important not only in group coaching but also one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. I think that would be universal across the board as a good coach. I think presence and attitude is an important one. Yeah. So presence, like looking the part, not you know showing up in your pajama pants or something <laughs> and hair all disheveled. Like <clears throat> people ask me all the time why I'm wearing makeup at 5 a.m. Like, well this is my job. Like (laughs) I don't want to roll up in here just looking like trash (laughs) 5 a.m. in the morning and you know, wearing, wearing clothing that, (coughs) sorry, isn't super baggy or super tight or extremely revealing. Like, yeah, we're in a CrossFit gym. People walk around with their shirts off all the time. That's, cool but you know when you're coaching a class it can be distracting for a member to like and you're the professional yeah you're the professional there in a sports bra standing there in a sports bra trying to coach class or in your man leggings with your junk (laughs) hanging out (laughs) unless it's just a sunday fun day or something (laughs) but you know there's a time and a place for all those things but it's important to be professional and people to recognize that that professionalism and treat you with a certain degree of respect. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. And mm-hmm. I know there are different different attitudes about this. And I know that there are there are a couple of coaches that I know that they feel okay coaching in flip-flops and a sports bra. And <clears throat> I can't say that I – I don't know. I'm not – I guess I don't even need to go down that road. But I just know that, <laughs> that, that that's not my your, style. Yeah. And I know that th- – that's not the type of attitude that we have here in this gym. Yeah. It, it may work other places. Yeah. Um, but like if we're going to have a class of five women who are all like, you know, super laid back about that. We're the only ones in the room. Whatever. Sure. I'll stand up there in my underwear. and <laughs> it's, They're not going to think twice about it. So that's okay. Yeah. You just, you just have another, to know your, exactly. your audience. You have to know your crowd. Exactly. That's another thing there. So looking the part. Um, not eating while you're trying to coach class or something like I'm not gonna lie I've done that before (laughs) I've done that a long time ago I don't do it anymore but that's just something that a lot of people get caught up in also 
Um, especially, you know, if you're coaching four classes in a row or something, like we have these built-in breaks now that are, are really helpful. So, you know, in the 10 minutes between the 5 and 6 a.m. class, I can throw down a bowl of oatmeal and get back to it and yeah. hang around and shoot the shit as the classes are exchanging. But <clears throat> that's that's another important one. Like, you know, if you're you're personal training a client or something, like don't be walking around munching on a protein bar while you're trying to teach them movement patterns and yeah. stuff so that's another <clears throat> another important one there yeah and there i guess it does kind of just go back to knowing your audience you know there will mm-hmm. be situations to where that that might feel appropriate mm-hmm. um but you definitely need to be aware that in a lot of situations it may not be yeah so yeah that's definitely something i think about a lot and i remember back in the other gym in the early days of us being open when I was doing, you know, classes from classes. morning to night, <laughs> there were definitely some times where I had to choke down a, a protein bar yeah, and before like, you fainted. yeah, <laughs> I can definitely remember those days. But even then, like, I still had that thought, like, I don't want to be, imagine your doctor coming into your room and eating a granola bar while he's going through your, mm-hmm. uh, your checkup or whatever it might be. Yeah. I try to think of that the same way. And I know that I'm, I'm not a doctor and you're not in a, a hospital gown, but I think a, the same level of professionalism should apply. And yeah. we've heard it our whole lives. The world will treat you how you treat the world. Yeah. So if you want to be treated like a professional, act like one. And mm-hmm. that's different for everybody, but that's where that's the way I think about it I guess yes good point <clears throat> and don't be on your phone while you're trying to teach a class that's another big thing like okay if you're like trying to like video the class for the Instagram for a few seconds that's mm-hmm. cool but like you're just sitting there having a texting conversation <laughs> when you've got people in the room trying to warm up on snatches or something and you have zero eyes on what they are actually doing like there's another thing I feel like we're saying a lot of this and like we have members that listen to this, not other coaches. So we're going to have to like specifically market this to coaches. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's just a good conversation. And like yeah. I said, I mean, even if nobody listens to this, I, I wanted to get this out of my head. I wanted mm-hmm. to try to organize my thoughts on this because it was, it was a good one for me to consider mm-hmm. because it, you know, you hear comments occasionally <laughs> when somebody goes on a podcast and mm-hmm. says something that the internet thinks is inflammatory, then, you know, you get comments about it. Right. So I, I thought it was important to try to sort through my thoughts. So yeah, for sure. I think it was successful. Even yeah. if nobody likes this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. And you know, it is helpful for members to hear this 100% because then you can identify, um, you know, if you go somewhere else, if you wind up moving, we'll miss the shit out of you. But, like, I've already used four. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my my S-bombs. Oh. But, uh, you know, if you if you move to a new place or something or you, I don't know, decide that you want to work out at home and do online training or whatever, in whatever, whatever circumstances applied. Maybe you're like trying to hire a lawyer, you're trying to hire a housekeeper or something (laughs) like this can apply in a lot of different ways. And so that's just where it's very important to be able to identify these traits that somebody who knows and understands the things that they are telling their clients, these are the things that you can look for. But think about this. I mean, I think from anybody's perspective listening to this, I think it's important to consider that idea of being promised results. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's an important one for people to consider mm-hmm. because if, you, if you've if got somebody 
on the internet promising you results, I think you should take it with a grain of salt yeah. because uh, there's that's a very easy marketing ploy. Yes. So I think that's exactly. valuable to just about yeah. anybody. That's a, that's a great, and you're right, this is a great uh, way to identify um, fallacy, I guess, online whenever you are seeing advertisements. You know, This can be part of your screening process as people... <laughs> Uh, as you see something online and you're like, hmm, I wonder about that. And then you, uh, then you reach out to Michael or I asking like, what do you think about this? Well, you know, listening to this conversation can give you a pretty damn good idea of whether that's probably true or probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you said earlier, I wanted to share like one little saying about, um, when you said you treat the world the way that you want to be treated kind of thing. Uh, another way to look at this whenever you're whenever you are talking to other people is you need to treat them how they want to be treated. Yeah. When we talked about how to have those conversations with different um, different personality types, like you need to be able to treat other people how they want to be treated, not necessarily how you want to be treated because your personality type could be totally different. That was a huge one for me <laughs> when we first opened up because, you know, just as far as the, how to market the gym, mm-hmm. I was 100% going into it with what I liked yeah, and I found out pretty quickly that that didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter at all. Yeah, like the only thing music that, choices. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously though, I mean the, uh, the only thing that matters is, wow, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but yeah, you're very <laughs> correct. <laughs> that's a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Anything more to add to the list you think? I don't think so. We might actually revisit this at some point in the future because <laughs> I think this is a, this has been a good thought experiment for me yeah. over over the weekend, and uh, it was nice to talk it out. Yeah, it's a good I, conversation. I chatted with Courtney a little bit on about it on Saturday, and she's actually the one that used the analogy about the hairdresser oh. and somebody coming in with a oh, yeah? a picture. And I thought, man, that was so huge. I wrote Go, that down Courtney. immediately. So Michael stole your joke. I, I'm you giving you credit. <laughs> Give, I'm citing Courtney in proper MLA form. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. Thanks for talking this out with me, Paige. This has been super useful. Yeah, that was a good conversation. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.